Welcome to Product Coffee, uh, where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Uh, grab a cup of Joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Yeah. <laughs> that's the plan. That's, that's what I spent all week doing. The rest is on you guys. <laughs> You're going to be uh, silent I for love the remaining set. 29 minutes. <laughs> so just some information. We are product managers at Ibotta as a, as a high level. We meet every Friday. Um, we grab coffee in the morning and just talk about ways that we can share um, shared learnings and kind of level up tactics and how we can apply that to the organization as a whole. And last week we had a product coffee. Um, it was really interesting. We're like, hey, you know, this would be interesting for other product managers. We should probably uh, record this. <laughs> so, um, in in all product manager fashion, we busted out a podcast in a week. It was awesome. So um, it's kind of cool. Get shit done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly it. And da- dangerous last words. Like we should probably record this. Um, so yeah, this is this is as much for us to become better product professionals yeah. as it is to hopefully uh, give some helpful helpful information to other people who are interested in product or looking to grow in their product careers. Um, and I think maybe it makes sense for us to go around the table, do some introductions, and maybe. Uh, a brief summary of how you broke into product. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Start with Bergen. Okay. I'm Bergen DeVell. I um, have been with Ibotta for about a month and a half now, so new to this organization, but I have been a product management professional for about four and a half years. I started, um, I started my career in corporate finance, and I think with a lot of people, uh, you kind of fall into the role of product management. Um, at the time, I was doing... Uh, financial reporting on a on a monthly basis, and I was like, "There's got to be more to the business, and I'd love to be in something that's more ad hoc." And we had an innovation um, C level at the company I was at, which was ADT at the time, and he brought together a cross functional group of people. And the op- the idea was create a product that would take down the company. And awesome op- thought exercise. We were a recurring business model, and figured there were a lot of emerging companies into that space. And so was part of one of the working teams that came up with a pretty creative idea and was very passionate about it and wouldn't let that idea go. So would take, you know, a couple, 20% of an engineer's time um, and was able to flush out a proof of concept for the product that we had come up with. And so that was kind of my first entry into the product management space. And that idea got traction. The proof of concept was bought. We got buy-in from our leadership team to build that out and Three, four and a half years later, I'm now sitting here. Would have had a lot of different product experience between that initial um, experience and now. But uh, I think for anybody, it's if you are passionate about the product or the company that you work at, there is an opportunity for any background to to fall into product. That's a good point. Yeah, that's me. Thanks, Bergen. Zach. Well, um, my name is Zach Lagreca. Um, so. Prior to Ibotta, um, I've, I've done product at a couple of different places. Um, so breaking into product is interesting for me as well. Initially, um, that wasn't really my career plan. Um, my career plan was that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, but in college, a friend of mine and myself started making websites for small to medium businesses as just a way to earn cash on the side. And that slowly kind of morphed into him doing more of the technical programming and me starting to understand the needs of these small to medium businesses. Um, so that we could build them something more than just like an about page and a contact page. Because mm-hmm. we quickly realized that's not that valuable, and the most we can se- sell that for is a couple hundred dollars. Whereas if we can understand some of the key problems the business faces and find ways that websites can help solve those, 
we were able to sell these websites for like $5,000 plus, which for, you know, 20 something college (laughs) kid was an incredible amount of money. Um, and that kind of unknowingly led me into product where I was understanding the needs of these, the users of these small businesses to find ways, uh, through software to solve these problems. Um, since then I've, I've done product everywhere from startups, uh, to, uh, fortune 500, uh, companies. I was in product uh, for Safeway Albertsons for their e-commerce initiatives. Uh, now I'm at Ibotta. So that's uh, that's my my journey. Go get her in college. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I like. I'm cash. sure we all have I mean, stories like that. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking like a true PM. <laughs> yeah. Like a true Ibotta PM. Yeah, like cool. Uh, my name's Jake Worland. I'm also a product manager here at Ibotta. Go figure. Um, <laughs> I have been doing product for about four years as well, like Bergen. Um, I I very much thought about being a product manager in college, and by that I mean absolutely not. I <laughs> uh, got a degree in international relations and joined Teach for America right out of school, so I became a middle school math teacher for a couple months, and then I switched to a different type of math teacher, and then I switched to a different type of teacher after that, and that's why TFA exists, I think. Um... But after a couple of years of TFA, I wanted to try something a little bit different, so I joined a startup in Seattle, um, and I really joined a startup because I've always been interested in solving people problems, and technology feels like a very effective vehicle for achieving that kind of change, and so that's what got me interested originally, and I, so I started uh, my tech career actually in a more customer-facing role, like a customer success role. Um, but also doing business analytics on the side. So doing market analysis, demand analysis, a lot of these different things. Um, and later I found out I was really doing the PM's job in my company for him because he kept asking me <laughs> to go find a number of, co- like, I would bring a feature idea to him that I would hear from customers and then he would say, all right, go find me 500 users who want that and then we can start talking about what this is. <laughs> like, oh, okay. That's a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that really... Uh, Got helped me get my first taste into problem and backlog prioritizations. I started ranking a bunch mm-hmm. of different things that uh, customers wanted, um, and then from there he left at some point, and the company was like, "Hey, you've been basically doing product or some things to do with product. Do you want to give it a shot?" And I said, "Yeah," and here I am, four years later, um, <laughs> still loving it, still doing it. Yeah, awesome. That, that's probably something we should go around to and talk about, like what you studied in college too. Yeah, I think yeah. that was kind of interesting because mm-hmm. I think the product's not a, a thing that you can study in college, right? right? No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. I would love to do that yeah. after this. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, yeah. So um, my name's Kevin. Kevin Gentry, um, product manager here at Ibotta uh, for over a year now, and been in product for about six years. Um, didn't. I found myself in product because I wanted to be a musician, which is kind of a weird way to get there, but um, uh, I'm still trying to be a musician, so that's kind of my side gig, but uh, uh, <laughs> come on in. Um, yeah, so um, now I've lost my train of thought, Patrick. Thanks. Editing, editing, editing <laughs> we're, we're will fix edit. this. Editing will fix you this. You are an aspiring musician. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I was an aspiring musician at some point in my still life. Still Still am aspiring, but now a product manager, and... Um, found myself um, not liking the touring gig as much, um, mm-hmm. sleeping on couches and <laughs> kind of probably living the same life as a startup entrepreneur, you know. <laughs> uh, I know Zach has some stories of that too, uh, but I, I just wasn't, you know, I, I like making music more and more it was like 
finding creative ways to work with a team and kind of deliver something like a show or something like that or an album um, and kind of see that come to fruition and people kind of um, um, start ad adopting it, like listening to it, essentially, right? So that's my correlation, my tie back into it. Yeah. But, <coughs> excuse me, found my first role um, by a fellow musician that worked at a startup in Boulder. And so I um, was looking at jobs and he got me an entry level job there as like a sales um, uh, lead person. So when I started my tech career, startup career there, and then kind of um, started getting fascinated with coding and um, development and product. And then within about a year, I ended up being um, a, one of their first product managers. Um, so that was, that was a whole lot of fun and, and just always been doing that since. So weird journeys. But. All right, we're gonna put you on the spot, right. but how did you end up in product management? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, my name is Patrick Kuchkowski. Before you do that, careful on the table. It's picking up things pretty quick. Pretty hot. Hot it'll, mic. It'll move. Hot move, mic. Move, yeah. move the hot mic away. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But More room. Should be good. Yeah. All right. Right there. So, talking to the microphone. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, as I noted, uh, so my name is Patrick Kuchkowski. I'm one of the project managers here. My journey was actually pretty lengthy and circuitous to get into product. Um, I actually... I the rest of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody has their own yeah. journey. Uh, for me, it was actually, uh, I came out of school, was doing some sales, actually joined the Army, got a commission as an officer, did that for a little while, came back, and decided to found my own brewery, so kind of jumped in doing the entrepreneurial route as well. Uh, after I sold that, I was looking around for what to do next, and one of my friends recommended a new tech startup in the space, uh, joined that actually doing customer success of all things quickly realized that that probably wasn't the career path that I was looking for. Uh, moved over to running our support organization, which then quickly morphed into actually head of QA, head of IT, and head of support. Uh, and then I was very fortunate in the fact that my boss at the time, the CTO, actually had worked as a technical program manager for Amazon and helped to launch the Kindle and recommended that that might be something I'd be interested in. So he kind of put me on the spot and pushed me into the space, so I started taking over more of the day-to-day -day program management and product management for our data engineering and kind of back-end development. And then when one of the data engineers moved over to Ibotta, he recommended me and I came along for the ride. So it's been kind of the ping-pong yeah. around a little yeah. bit, but ultimately found something I liked. And more than anything, it's for me, it's all about just solving complex problems and making everybody's lives a little easier. What is cool about this is I sit by you guys every day and I like didn't know these backgrounds. So right. this has already been successful for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's super interesting to hear people's like foray into products because we have like just around this table, we have people yeah. who are in the army and starting breweries and then getting into technology. We have former math teachers, we have musicians, we have people from all sorts of different business backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no clean way to get into product. I think that's the, the sum. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think it's also kind of representative of like the actual job description. Like there's never a clean job description of product, right? Yeah. Like you're kind of a glue that makes it yeah. work. Yeah. Like, all right, it's kind of messy, but you just yeah. get stuff done. I mean, yeah. I think looking at like commonalities between all of our stories is um, wanting to make something and looking to solve problems. And I think yeah. that's what's interesting. Like, you know, coming from a teaching background, you're looking to solve problems, to help others solve problems, you're looking to solve a need for other people. Coming from the background of a musician, you're looking to make something yeah. that people care about. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Coming from business backgrounds, you're looking to make something that drives business value and user value. 
Um, so that's that's super interesting yeah. to me. But I think that's the key is like don't be disheartened by the fact that there's no clean way into product. Yeah. The yeah. key is like look for things that you want to build and look for ways that the things you're building are solving things for real people. And yeah. that's that's the the best chance you'll have of finding a way into product. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Cool. Yeah. So. Given that this is the first time we're trying this, we're we're gonna try a couple of different things out. Um, one of the things we thought might be fun is to have like a topic of the week that we can talk about. This is something we've done together over coffee before we started recording it. Um, and so today, the topic we wanted to discuss is something that is very important in the product management role, and that is when do you say no to something, and when you say no. How do you do that? So it's a two-part question. So maybe let's start with the first part, and maybe we can start with uh, Patrick and then kind of go around the table. Um, as a product manager, when do you say no to something? Yeah, thanks, Zach. I mean, that one is is very top of mind currently here, and I think in any product manager's life. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is really as you chart out a roadmap, as you chart out to figure out where to make the most impact, there's always going to be one-offs or potential pivots that other people are going to come to you with um, or the business recognizes is something that could be impactful. I think the part of the job as a product manager is to recognize when that may not necessarily be aligned with where we're strategically going. Um, there's a lot of work that you can say yes to, but oftentimes what you want to do is say no to a lot of smaller things that may seem like one-offs that aren't building towards that end goal. Mm-hmm. So it's really how can you continuously say no to small things and maybe say yes to a bigger thing, to that thing that's really going to move the needle. Um, That that comes back to like product strategy, right? Like Mm -hmm. this product strategy concept is pretty nebulous and pretty Mm -hmm. abstract, but like it's really just something to lean on to say no, right? Yeah, we can say like, yeah, we're going to do these things, but it's more effective in helping justify that no and giving you something to fall back on. Exactly. And I think for me, the, the tangible way that has kind of come into life is uh, we're working on a, a new Salesforce rollout and there's lots of little bugs, but yeah. instead of saying yes and having the engineers and the product team slow down a little bit to solve all these minute fixes, what we said is why don't we scrap the entire thing that's causing mm-hmm. all the problems? It'll take us three months, but you'll end up with a much Love better it. experience at the end. Yeah, we actually just talked about this earlier, um, <laughs> optimizations versus um, discovery, right? Like, how many incremental small changes are we going to change, or are we going to solve the real problem, right? So I think that's a that's a great point to that. But yeah, I think, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Jake. What I was going to say is, uh, just all this conversation is making me think of kind of my last real example of when I said no to something. And it was, a, it was an amazing idea. It was someone from sales came to me and said, hey, what would it take to put item level offers in the app for bestbuy.com? Can we put the digital weekly ad in for online? We do it for in-store. We can do it online. It shouldn't be that hard. Warning bell, number one. Uh, <laughs> shouldn't be that hard. Shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> if you ever hear that. Yeah, we laugh. already get the <laughs> item level data from Best Buy, so why can't we just do it? Um, and... It's of course it's not as simple as it might seem, but the the potential payoff there is huge. Like it's if we could figure that out for multiple retailers, and it gets really really interesting. However, that's not really aligned with where our product strategy is and how we think building product, iterating on product is mm-hmm. going to push the business forward. So when thinking about it now, it's like yes, that would be kind of like having a candy bar, right? Like a huge hit. It'd be great. It'd be 
something that would really drive value for the business, but at what cost, right? What are we foregoing? What are we giving up to be able to do that? And we're, we would be giving up a lot of the things that strategically and holistically as a company, we think would drive even greater value. It's not a healthy meal. It's just some sweets. It's just some sweets. <laughs> right. That doesn't fill you up. <laughs> I have a few thoughts on this. Yeah. I think um, at the at the very top level is knowing what your company's objectives are. And yeah. I think I've worked in a lot of different organizations. And what I really enjoy about Ibotta is those objectives at the company level are very clear. And the more clear that you can make that from the top down, it becomes a lot easier for people that are executing on the day-to-day to look at a new opportunity and understand whether or not that will tie back to the larger company's goals. So I think that's thing number one. And so, you know, if you are in a situation where your organization, like, if you're not hearing that from your leaders on a continual basis, I would I would push your, your management team to help yeah. you guys or you as a as a individual in any business in any role to help under understand that better. I think that really is step one. So that is a super positive that I think we have here that I haven't experienced it's other good, places. That's a good point to make. Um, just so everyone knows, we are testing out as a company the new OKR framework. Well, I guess it's not new, but it's been around yeah. for a while. But us as a company is pretty young and we're adopting that um, because we've seen success with other companies and we thought we could try this out and so far I think I can speak for myself but I, I really enjoy it like yeah. I yeah. think we do get that clarity yeah. of yep. what the company high level objectives are rather than like I think before we had two K core KPIs that yeah. we were just driving to so right. it's, it's a little more vague yeah with the OKR framework it's a little more um, there's more direction, and mm-hmm. it's kind of, they, they want to create this top-down, bottom-up feel so that yeah. we feel autonomous to build towards those OKRs. Mm-hmm. So I do encourage the listener to um, seek out Measure What Matters is the book. Um, read that. That's a pretty good resource. We'll put some links and yep. resource links in this podcast page We don't well. get commission. We <laughs> yeah, don't. This is not a shameless plug. Yet, it uh, actually is shameless. Yeah, We're not getting you, paid. If you'd like to work with us for, <laughs> for uh, commissions, We'll be happy to <laughs> we would also take coffee donations. <laughs> that, you know, we should have established this up That's front. That's true. So, this is true. Um, uh, the, one of the goals out of this podcast is to get free coffee. Free coffee so. is the ultimate goal for me. The <laughs> <laughs> well, secondary goal we, is improving as product managers. Yeah. Primary goal. Yeah. Exactly. Secondary. <laughs> yeah. Primary yeah, coffee. Can, yeah. We should probably level set. What is OKR yes, stand for? Yes, exactly. I'm, I was going to say So that. I'm going to call can of worms. And I think can of worms should be a thing we throw out. <laughs> stop. The stop button. Yeah. I, okay. I think we call can of worms when a subject that's important important is like too big and is going to blow mm, up our current topic because sure. right. I think That's OKRs fair, yeah. are really interesting yeah, and I think we, can, we should talk we that, could be, that, own, that could be its own episode that could be a whole um, season that could be a whole podcast <laughs> I will close the can of worms by just saying it means objectives and results and we'll yeah. leave it there just for anybody that's As like that concept that, so yeah I think that'll that could help us that is a great idea I like that I think that could help us in the future look at more detailed ways to say no, so it's a definitely a mm-hmm. relevant to bring up. Is yeah, Zach saying no uh, to this podcast. That's so. <laughs> there's an example that's of pretty meta. saying no. no, even when something Successful. is interesting or valuable. Understanding your vision, what you set out to do. Um, so we're not sacrificing what we're achieving here, which is when to say no and how. Yeah, we plan that to demonstrate to you how to. That say was that. all prepared. We should uh, note this is all a scripted podcast. <laughs> line by line. We're very. Um, Okay, my second thought real fast, and then I will pass the torch, but we did, that's a good conversation, Um, is knowing your stakeholders. Um, I think what's interesting here, and I have been in other organizations where I have owned, I have owned the product, whether that was owning the mobile app experience or like the whole mobile app experience, or it was at 
my role in Verizon owning a professional services product. But what I think is interesting here is we have multiple product owners working on the same product, um, but we all have a different set of stakeholders across the business. So um, oftentimes we might get requests from sales or you might get requests from our business operations team or marketing. Um, I think if you can tie back that ask to your specific stakeholders for your team, and realizing that while that might be a great idea, is that actually going to help the stakeholders that you are ultimately responsible for for supporting um, from a product standpoint? So I think having a clear understanding of the company level, you know, objectives as well as knowing your stakeholders are two really important um, things that you need to understand in order to be able to say no to things. Um, my last really quick thought is, and if it could be sent in an email versus at setting up a meeting, say no to meetings and defer to email or other forms of communication if it's something that does not need to be done in a face-to-face setting. Um, we all get really busy and meetings tend to like stack up on calendars. That would be another piece of advice is if you can say it in a written form and there's no like opportunity for misinterpretation, then I think email is a great way to try to communicate. Yeah, I think saying point. no isn't just about product ideas. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. saying no to protect your time, too. Yes. Like, we exactly. talk about saying no to protect your roadmap. Mm-hmm. Like, protect your time, protect your ability to execute on that roadmap. So how do you say no to stakeholders? Because it's hard, right? Because you need to balance. Maybe this is a can of worms to talk about stakeholder management. <laughs> but how do you say no while still maintaining that relationship? Is I think pretty that's, a, that's a good exercise to bring up. Uh, something we can put into practice when saying no mm-hmm. is taking a look at your schedule a week before and kind of looking at those meetings that aren't necessary or maybe that even don't have an agenda. If yeah. they don't have agendas in the invite, just deny it, like say yeah. no to it and then make the um, organizer get back to you about what this is about and it forces yeah. them to do a little more of that legwork, maybe pushing them to the written communication as well mm-hmm. and it also frees up your time so that's useful as well. Let's go to Zach, because I know we're, we're hogging all the airtime. Yeah, no, this is great conversation. So I, I think when thinking about when to say no, um, I think it's important to really focus on kind of the way you do it. This is getting into the second part of the question, but uh, you're not saying no just for the sake of not doing something. Um, anytime you say no, there should be value associated with that. We're not doing something because we're doing this other thing that is driving this really important value. Um, so as you, as you say no to things, always remember like the reason you're making that trade-off is not because you don't want to be collaborative, and it's not because the thing is not a good idea. I mean, there's a lot of companies that uh, have done this well and others who haven't. Apple comes to mind as you know someone who notoriously killed off a bunch of product ideas at one point to focus on a few things well. Um, and so that's that's something to keep in mind. What what are you doing that is critical? What's the reason you're saying no? And emphasize that as value, not just mm-hmm. no, we're not doing that. But here's what we're doing, and here's why we're doing it, and that's why we can't do that right now. Yeah, I think just to build on that, to saying no to a stakeholder is an interesting exercise because stakeholders are not thinking about everything else. They're just thinking about the one thing they want right. from you. Mm-hmm. right? So I think you're making a, an awesome point thinking about, well, here's the whole board. right? Mm-hmm. Like Here's everything else that we're considering because it's our job as PMs to look at the whole board yeah. and evaluate those trade-offs and then communicate those decisions in a way that makes sense and drive value, communicate that value, and ultimately keep everyone on board and deliver value to the end customer. Yeah. Yeah. One, one interesting exercise that I've actually done is 
especially if you already have a, a backlog built out and you have those stakeholders in there forcing them to go through the prioritization oh, yeah. exercise. Oh, yeah. Really interesting to see what falls out <laughs> versus trickles up to the top. Stakeholders yeah, and then that managing up, too. That's a great exercise. Yeah. If you have, like, a leader come in and say, like, we need to do this. It's like, okay, tell me what to give up. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah, potentially another can of worms, but I think that's really important. <laughs> I think that's really important because a lot of times stakeholders will, will come in and tell you, no, this is critical. This is a requirement. Right. This is a top one thing. Mm -hmm. And then when you sit down in, in a meeting with them and three other stakeholders and you outline, here's the business value we're driving. Here's what we're doing for the user. Here's the impact to, you know, maybe our, our revenue. Here's the impact to conversion that mm -hmm. we're expecting to see. And you start to stack rank those things. You'd be surprised how often stakeholders are like, oh, yeah, um, this can probably wait then. Exactly. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, it sounded more urgent. But that's part of our job, too, is really bubbling up what's truly critical. And every, like, most things feel critical in the moment to most people. And that's part of our job in understanding what really is critical and how do we get at that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. A pulse can of worms, but it's the five whys strategy in particular. And, you know, how do you really get to the, the crux of why someone wants this and why we should build it as company? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, um, it could be summed up in two words of how to say no is ruthlessly prioritize. That's pretty much it. I think I, we all kind of hinted at that, but you're basically strategy, product strategy is a, is a framework that you can lean on to ruthlessly prioritize. Mm -hmm. um, stakeholder management, all those things are just a way that you can do that and do it confidently. I think everyone can prioritize different ways. Um, some tactics that I've used in the past that have been helpful have just assigned kind of like algorithmic values to projects. So what inputs um, and KPIs are you trying to drive as a team and then kind of spit out a score for specific projects. For instance, are you driving gross revenue? Are you driving user retention? And then try to project that for each of the projects and then all of those different inputs, depending upon where you want to lean heavier, can um, weight that score and kind of bring to light the most important things that you want to work on and achieve. Uh, but then also explaining that to the stakeholders, right? Because then they don't understand what's under the hood and what you how how do you ruthlessly prioritize? So uh -huh. um, I think there's a little bit of both to that. But yeah, I think the only thing that I would add to that is that kind of gets to the point that I was just thinking about is it helps you avoid being emotionally invested in a project yep. and that <laughs> clouding your decision making. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that's. That's where stakeholders and their interpretation of roadmaps and priorities gets a little bit hazy because they aren't having to think every day about controlling that, right? right. Like we as PMs, that's kind of, I think, Kevin, your exercise that you just described is an awesome way of making sure that we don't push a project forward because we think it's really awesome, but there's an actual objective set of evidence behind it that makes it worthwhile. Did everybody get a chance to answer? Because this raises a question I think I'd like to quickly round robin. So. Yeah. 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 Okay, so based on, on those comments, when do you say no to yourself as a product manager? When do you say no to yourself? Insofar as I don't want to, or I can't take on more work, or insofar as... I mean, I think all, a little bit of all of those things, but to Jake's point, like... Stakeholders get emotionally invested in their pro projects and their products. So do we, yeah. right? We're human too. So, and that's something I'm constantly on, on the lookout for because it's I, I can never tell like how biased am I being. Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever angle you want to answer that from, but like when, how do you look at internally what you're deciding, and, and when do you say no, or when when should you maybe say no? I have an example from um, my previous role. We had an 
a, a, an idea came from an, a, the internal team and we were like, this is great, totally new product space, nobody's doing this. And we spent a ton of time going through the design thinking process, which is really that top end of the funnel and sitting down with potential consumers and understanding their their wants, their needs, what's missing in their life, and really just having a conversation with people. And we found out there was an opportunity from an, from a persona standpoint. But at, on the same side, we were also doing a lot of financial analysis around this product opportunity. And I think that those two things have to be done in parallel, both the persona identification as well as the ROI opportunity. And when you look at both of those things together, while yes, this product would have served an underserved community and created a lot of goodwill for the company, there was no business model behind it. And so while I was so emotionally invested in creating this product for the, the it was for the um, people with disabilities was the product and it was around navigation and giving them a more detailed wayfinding app, um, but there was no business model. And so while I was so passionate to create this and make this experience better for this community, it's really easy when you're looking at like those two things together to realize that, well, yes, I want to do this, but from a business standpoint, it's easy to be more objective when you have those things hand in hand. So um, didn't want to say no, but kind of had to say no in that case. Yeah, I think from my perspective, you know, being emotionally invested is a huge one. Obviously, yeah. we rely on our peers to call it out as well so that we're not operating solely in our own bubbles. That said, I believe strongly in data as an indicator there to mm -hmm. break you out of that bias as well. Yep. So if you say, hey, we've run X amount of tests and they're coming back negative, well, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> <laughs> My assumptions may be wrong. Maybe yeah. I should revisit this. But in probably a whole other topic of conversation is when do you kill an initiative mm -hmm. that you yeah. you know are emotionally invested in? Yeah. What are those indicators? And it's really tough, but I think it's leaning on your peers having the core data or foundation to recognize when something isn't going well. Mm -hmm. And it may just be, you know, qualitative data, it may not always be quantitative, but it's very important to, to hear from everyone. The thing I'm hearing is, like, look beyond yourself for data and things to inf inform these decisions. Um, it, this is something I experienced uh, in a, a previous role. I was redesigning um, a page to select a time for a delivery order of a particular service. Um, and so the delivery order selection page was, the, the design wasn't super great, and as someone in, you know, who's been involved in product and design, of course you want, you want to make that better. You know all these cool new design uh, archetypes that are being introduced and in all these cool new products and apps, and so naturally wanted to make use of some of those things, so we redesigned this uh, delivery time selection page. Uh, much cleaner, much more beautiful, much more minimalistic, and I, I absolutely loved it. It didn't test well. And the reason was because uh, the original page kind of had a macro view of the week. And so our users tended to select delivery days multiple days in advance. And the way we had set it up, it had like a one day at a time view. Um, and that really limited the cognitive load. It was so much cleaner and prettier, and yet it just didn't work for our users. And that was tough because that was like one of those darlings. We worked really hard on it. We were so proud of it. Yeah. And we had to kill it. Um, so. Cool. Wrap it. Cool. Um, so I think maybe what we could do is leave an exercise for anyone listening. Um, think about a time that you've had to say no, or maybe this week 
Try and find a way to say no that makes sense. Look at your own internal biases. See if there's something you're working on, whether it's you know, meetings you have on calendar, whether it's something you have prioritized in your, in your backlog or your roadmap. Um, look at that and see, does that really make sense? Maybe talk to some, some peers, get some uh, data to help inform that decision. Um, but we can leave that with you. Yeah, I think, you know, with this podcast, too, we want to start a conversation with other PMs out in the um, in the industry, right? So I think we're going to post this on SoundCloud. We have a SoundCloud page, so um, SoundCloud slash product coffee. So go there. We're going to post this episode there. And in the comment section to this episode, write an exercise of, like, how you said no and what we can all learn from that. Um, that'll help us out, and then I'm sure it will help other people out as well. See this comment and read through it. So, um. and for anyone else listening, if you're not in product yet and you're interested in it, feel free to leave questions. If you you know we have um, a, a a large product team here at Ibotta, uh, if you want to hear from a bunch of product managers and product designers about questions you have, leave that in the comments, and we yeah. can address that as a topic of of the week in an upcoming week. Yeah. So, it's great. Um, and we will read your comments on the air. <laughs> If you rate us five stars on iTunes, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll read the top comments. Shameless plug, or if you send us free coffee, or if you friend, yeah, of course, that that is the goal. So, all, all right. right. Thanks well, everyone. thanks for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed your cup of coffee. Now go level up. <laughs> <laughs>